0: chapter 10 of natalie page this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org natalie page by katherine habben taylor chapter 10 what mr kempwood told me mr kempwood's rooms as he called them were lovely and i had a fine time going around and looking at things his furniture is more than pretty it has a reason everything is either very comfortable or very interesting and it all makes you want to linger for instance he opened a cabinet which honestly held interesting things not like aunt penelope's which has only six fancy fans and a lot of ancient scent bottles and an autograph book of poems and such truck his has really fascinating things in it and it is therefore worth the dusting trouble there were all sorts of books in it written in different ways i mean scrolls simply yards of those and an east indian one written on reeds all strung together and even one on a brick we agreed that it would be frightful to have to scratch out a best seller with a chisel he said think how your wrist would feel by the time your hero gets his best girl and i agreed that brick was assyrian then he had little tiny gods that the egyptians buried with people and he even had the toilet things of an ancient queen and it had a uh, tweezers in it which led me to believe that even then they pulled out the extra eyebrows and made them skinny and beautiful as women do to-day evelyn has a woman come to do it each week if she can't get down to elizabeth barden's and she squalls there are no other words for this while it is being done but her eyebrows are arched and beautifully shaped i told mr kempwood how she yelled as i suggested the eyebrow theory he laughed a good deal and said maybe i was right then he said i really oughtn't to tell him things like that and although i didn't see why i shouldn't i said i would not then he asked me to sit down and i did and even i wanted to stay sitting for his chairs are wonderfully sitable. after which he rang and we had tea and since there were no plain bread and butter sandwiches i felt no obligation to eat any i thanked mr kempwood for omitting them and i ate a good deal and enjoyed myself more than i have since reaching new york i told him a lot about uncle frank and bradley dear and even about willie jepson and he asked me whether i thought i would marry willie and i said not if any one else asked me and then i had some more tea he asked me how old i was at that point and when i said sixteen he was surprised i don't seem it i know that that is one reason amy never has room in the motor for me i know i humiliate her by my lack of polish baseball doesn't develop much beside muscle and quickness and a certain sort of flash judgment i have realized lately but i shall acquire those other things in the three years of which over a week has passed where's the bracelet to-day natalie mr kempwood asked after looking at my arms i wore a grey silk which has short sleeves it has broad white cuffs and a big flaring white collar and is pretty i replied that i thought i wouldn't wear it for i knew no one would believe my story i suppose you're interested in the mansion he questioned further i said i was decidedly no it's history he asked in a way i answered but not as well as i shall history has never interested me i didn't think things that happened to dead people vital but lately well he said they may not be vital nothing but food and sleep really is you know but the things that have happened are interesting because they make you think beside making you realize what helped to form the great country in which you live perhaps you haven't seen history perhaps you've just said in seventeen seventy six washington occupied the jumel mansion for some time or on wednesday july three eighteen thirty three rev dr bogart married the celebrated colonel burr and madame jumel widow of the late stephen jumel instead of seeing washington step out of that door and stand on that porch probably he watched the burning of new york from there a great many people think nathan hale started it new york was then in the hands of the british and many thought burning it was the thing to do there are a good many things about nathan hale's story that are still misty you repeat dates about a wedding instead of seeing a queer old woman rouged and smirking come down the twisting stairs of the jumel mansion to meet a groom who was a tired old man poor and aware that a gay youth doesn't leave much precipitate for a comfortable old age he gained six thousand dollars by that marriage and she some more experience with the law for she divorced him mr kemp would stop and ask if he might smoke i said yes and after he lit a long cigarette which he put in an interesting holder he went on with can't you see the old lady and the old man being married the ceremony took place in the small parlour at the left as one enters probably some servants looked on perhaps the room was lit by candles dozens of them flickering high then low and casting shadows my what a house what memories she put in it mr kempwood paused knocked off his ash and then said do you know houses have souls they have the thoughts that their owners attach to their walls haven't you seen lovely houses and heard people say horrible place i hate going there they are all so sarcastic you see before one knows it the house absorbs the spirit of the people who live in it and one thinks of the home as horrible now madame jumel you won't quite understand this natalie and it's difficult to explain didn't have much chance and she wasn't always good in fact far from it and she came to this house which had belonged to the roger morris family who had kept it fine and splendid and she turned it to a madhouse before she died and left it in possession of three quarrelling sets of heirs who dragged their claims through the courts for years and years and whose descendants are still bickering for those who had lost felt that they had been cheated and so they kept on bickering don't you think that a man who evades fighting leaves a stain i asked roger morris said mr kempwood i nodded yes but if the reasons for his not fighting were sufficient his evading it was right you see his wife's family the phillips and the robinsons i believe the robinsons had a country place still in existence at dobbs ferry that has staged some interesting history too they all owned property he went on and if captain morris had sided with the king where his sympathies probably lay his property and that of all his connection might have been burned by the liberty boys he had a family and a wife to care for the beverly robinsons and their clan were not used to poverty he could not drag them to it we'll say he left for that reason why did they burn houses i asked because they thought their owners sympathized with england they must have had a good time mr kempwood stopped and shook his head imagine he said a mob of a hundred men all carrying sticks and throwing stones and some of them swinging tin lanterns from which gleamed the feeble light of candles probably they catcalled sang and whistled as they Tramped along the street and little girls in long quilted skirts ran after them and little boys in homespun breeches joined the moving throng adding their shrill voices whistles sticks and stones then perhaps they would pause before a house and call master benson we'll greet you immediate!" and others come forth ye dog!" while the wag of the crowd would sing a song of king george then perhaps a window would slide up and a man who wore a nightcap would stick a head out and ask for mercy but i doubt whether he got it for crowds are cruel perhaps his wife and little girls would come out of the house carrying what little they could and crying and then the man sullen and angered would be put through a mock trial for the benefit of the jeering crowd and back of him a house would blaze and the things he had loved would vanish in smoke a fire looks pretty against a black night sky the blazing red which vanishes in sullen smoke the light see it i said i did but they had to burn those houses didn't they i asked no he answered george washington didn't want them to they did more harm than good for often they burned the houses of the innocent and a mob spirit uncontrolled has no business in war anything is done better under direction of a man who sees things coolly and takes them quietly i said i suppose this was so what happened to the jumel mansion after the roger morris family left it i asked did they come back no he answered the phillips manor was confiscated and sold with the morris property for these two families had gone back to england there was some mix-up about the income from the properties war makes that you know and the heirs i suppose were glad to dispose of the place for john jacob astor seeing what is to-day called a good-bye purchased the right of the heirs with legal power to transfer for twenty thousand pounds later the state of new york bought it from him for half a million dollars from the close of the revolution until stephen jumel bought the property a period of nearly thirty years the old house was in turn a humble farmhouse or an inn stages began to go from albany to new york in 1787, and of course they stopped at the inn changed horses you know can't you see them dashing up in style the whips cracking the horses sweating then the stop and the ladies all flounced and hooped of skirt getting out to walk about and shake the stiffness from their bones perhaps a gentleman would say "Well, madam do me the proud honour to sup with me and perhaps they had fried chicken and mashed potato and pie all on the table at once and i'm sure the innkeeper's wife frankly listened to their talk for talk in those days took the place of newspapers which even our country people get to-day then after they'd supped i think they'd go out and get in the ladies most genteel, settling their skirts and the gentlemen putting cushions back of them and murmuring something about the glories of all blue skies paling beside the colour of their orbs they did it that way in those days natalie mr kempwood ended i said i knew it but that i'd rather have a man say right out if he liked me that i preferred sensible frankness mr kempwood said he knew it and that he thought a man would try to be awfully square with me then i said what next and he smiled and said and with the crack of the whip they dashed off to new york a large town which lay some ten miles distant from the hamlet of harlem heights did they go up to see the view i wonder mr kempwood thought they did you can see miles from the little balcony at the top of the jumel mansion and then of course further for nothing was built up yes he said probably the beau bowed very low and said will madam or mistress honour me by going up the stairs to see the view from the top balcony which is rumoured to be the most beauteous and is of great renown and then we stood up and i put on my things for we were going driving we were through with history for that day but mr kempwood had made me see it i could actually hear the creak of the old inn sign as it swung in the wind i could see the tired horses and the little daughters of the innkeeper peeping around the big white posts for i am sure that they were bashful country children quite like me with no way to say what they felt probably they were afraid of the grand ladies who travelled so elegant and who minced so daintily as they walked and perhaps as they sat around the fireplace at night one would say mother i was in the room turning the loom and i heard the grand lady with the purple ostrich plumes talk she was a viewing the view she said lodge you bold man i cannot believe one word you say he said no rose in all of heaven's garden wears the bloom of your sweet cheek what do you think of that mother and then perhaps she would look in the fire and dream for even little country girls do that if they can't play baseball we had a lovely lovely drive mr Kempwood was so kind to me and he said he was going to take me every week i could hardly believe it I think you are very good to me, I whispered, for I felt it so deeply that it was hard to say. I'm not, he said. I'm being very good to myself. I can't tell you how much I enjoy this, Natalie. I slipped my hand in his and squeezed it. Little person, he said. You are, dear. And he smiled down at me, but he let go of my hand after two pats. Then before I knew it, it was really late and time to get ready for dinner. I hate leaving you, I said, as we stood in our small outer hall. He thanked me and said he felt that way about me. But he said we'll have another ride soon and i'll see you within a few days but i couldn't believe this it seemed too good however i saw him the next evening or as they say in the north afternoon it was at the jumel mansion and i was the direct cause of it all which makes me feel dreadfully but how could i tell that that would happen and that i would make him get hurt it was terrible but i am so thankful that it was no worse i think of that all the time for if mr kempwood had been killed there is a spot in my heart that would never have healed but he wasn't. End of chapter 10.